Previously on Unprofessional. Well, you know who else was crazy and had people following him? Who's that? And now, the thrilling conclusion. Hitler. Oh. <laughs> The, the cliffhanger Hitler joke. You don't get a lot of those. That's true. So everybody, welcome back. This is part two of our of our two-part series with Renee Ritchie here on Unprofessional. I am still Dave Wiskus, joined uh, still by Jamie Newberry. Hello again. Still, still Jamie here. Yeah, yeah. Is it weird to do a second intro for this? It sort of is weird, but it's it's all right. It's well, acceptable. Well, what if this is the first show anybody listens to? What if the first words... They get to oh man! If this is your first episode, (laughs) we're Uh, so sorry. If if this is your first episode, I'm just going to recommend now go back a a couple and start at least one. At least go back to the first half of this one. It's like wandering in during Return of the Jedi without not seeing the first two. Like how you don't even know what's going on. It's like just watching the Ewok portion of Return of the Jedi. Yeah, yeah. Uh, You're like, what's with these fucking teddy bears on a in the forest? I don't just get it. shoot them. They're bears. I heard this movie was good. What's happening? All these yeah. nerds love this shit. It's just teddy bears throwing rocks at these these robots. So, so I wasn't. I w- I'm happy, Dave. I thought I was such a big jackass on the last show. You wouldn't have me back. So I'm, I appreciate this. What the the first one you did, or or the the, the previous part one? Part one. What part jack? One. What, do you, what do you mean jackass? I had opinions about things that people people argue about on the internet. Oh, I, so? I think you, you, you held your own just fine. Right. You weren't a jackass, in my opinion. It no, didn't, no, no, no. You no. didn't strike me as jackass Well, yours is the one that matters to me, Jamie, so I appreciate that. <laughs> well, Thank see, you that, so much. That was a little, that was a little uncalled for. <laughs> no, well, no, fine. yours matters, too. I just, you hadn't expressed one yet. You're, no, you're fine. You're, okay, I've, never, I've never once thought that. Oh, Renee is kind of being a jerk right now. All right, good. Let's see if I can blow it up in this show. Fuck him. <laughs> so we, we had started down this path of talking about, well, we tried to start down this path of talking about relationships. We kind of so derailed, yeah. What I'd, what I'd like to do as, a, as an exercise, I want to, this could be a chance for us to get to maybe, may, uh, maybe air some things about ourselves that might not be knowledge, public knowledge. <laughs> and where are we going with this? What sorts of things do you have in mind, Dave? It's all deep, dark, secret. No, I, I think that, that learning learning about other people, so much of that is their past experiences. And it's so easy, especially on a show like this, to talk about past experiences in a very abstract or very, um, like, unfortunately, professionally focused way. When when so much of what makes people interesting is what happens to them when when they're just, like, you know, being people. Absolutely. So, yeah, rather than being just surface level, who are you and how are you, um, maybe dive a little deeper. I think that's yeah. a, a fantastic rare, idea. Let people it's know a, they're not alone in the universe, Dave. You're not alone, Renee. <laughs> it's a rare opportunity because the purpose of this show is to get to know the people behind the things. And with you specifically, Renee, there's, there's so many people who don't know that much about you. I that's don't know true, that much about fairness, you. They haven't asked, Dave. Well, I'm asking. Okay, good. What's your deal, man? <laughs> that's such a broad category i mean i where do you want me to begin i what what was what was your first horrible breakup i have never had a horrible breakup i have always of course you haven't no it, it's always been to the point where just sort of inattentiveness sort of a mutually agreed upon inattentiveness has led to things casually 
tailing off until nobody called each other anymore. That's sort of a passive aggressive way to end a relationship. Yeah, I, I'm I've, not criticizing. I've actually done this myself. I'm just. Are I'm, you still friends at all? Do you talk at all? I n- no, but not out of any sort of malice. It's just, and, and I'm the same way with regular friends too. Instead, I've never had an argument. Never, not wanted to speak to a friend anymore. It's just we've all gone on with our lives, perfectly politely, almost British. If that's a, if I can use that as an adjective. And over the years, we just stopped talking. Interesting. Oh. You just drift apart. Yeah, I don't think I've ever had a big blow up where i was yelling and screaming at somebody like that i mean oh, i've me had either. the closest i've ever come to having like a yelling match or, or that kind of argument with somebody was my mom but that's a that's a totally different scenario <laughs> my parents too but yeah that is because they have such a different dynamic and they know how to push your buttons but it's the same thing like i couldn't imagine you know bring uh, sort of orchestrating it where you bring someone to a restaurant because you don't want them to cause a scene and then doing the whole it's not me it's you or it's not you it's me thing that just seems very <laughs> it's that's not so me, weird it's, you. <laughs> <laughs> it's not me it's you is the best <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's like you could go to the, the all the trouble of planning that out and it just it just seems not very real to me i recently had a situation where i was seeing somebody um and she gives me the uh, hey we should talk and i was kind of ready for it to be done and i thought that she wasn't and i was kind of worried about how am i going to bring this up i've never really had to have this conversation before and she gives me the we should talk and i'm like sure and she's like well why don't we go why don't we meet up we'll grab a drink and so we go back to the 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 place where we've had our first date and we sit down in the exact same seats where we were when we had our first date and we have the end of relationship conversation which was just kind of a i think this isn't working and we should we should just move on me too great cool well see you later and it was so weird to think that you could have you could bookend an entire relationship in the same two chairs that is kind of interestingly i i don't know i don't know how i feel about that it feels weird to me is that bad to say it felt weird to me too but i kind of enjoyed it i sort of enjoyed the honesty of it like hey we both kind of we not even kind of we both really wanted this to work and it just didn't and let's acknowledge that and and part ways as friends Uh, that works whereas most of my breakups have been things like you know girl cheats on me or like somebody has to move out of somebody else's apartment and there's all this other awkwardness and yeah, all these that, when you uh, have sort of investments those... of emotion and drinks in the face have you ever had drinks in the face uh someday i hope no, i've never i've never i've never actually witnessed that but yeah so I'm dave is sitting at the bar and a woman just casually walks by stops picks up a drink throws it in his face and then keeps walking that would be great that too I keep hoping that'll happen here in New York. I keep going out every night, and I'm thinking to myself, tonight's the night I'm going to get a drink in the face. And it just <laughs> n- never happens. But that's, that's again, that's the holiday. That's why I think like, a lot of times our reality is phrased, framed by what we've seen on television. We expect, to a certain extent, that we should be living the lives of people that we've seen. And those are totally unrealistic lives. So overly dramatic. Yeah. So overly dramatic. In, in most instances. Yeah, that's... Yeah, I don't know. I um, yeah. Hmm. Your life just seems so much more boring to me. It's <laughs> <How about> <laughs> pretty you? even. How about you, Jamie? Do you ever have like a really bad, angry, explosive breakup? Well, I, you know, I no, not really. I mean, I um, people are too nice. You know, I, I'm just trying to yeah figure out how to. I I was married for 14 years. I don't know if people know that about me, but I was married for 14 years and. Um, the end of that was 
while painful, not not really all that dramatic. It may have gone down in like the most um, civil divorces in history. Possibly, we're still friends. He lives down the street around the corner. Um, has fifty percent custody of the kids, and um, I don't know. Like, it, yeah, we were all very civil about it, and um, yeah, I don't know. No, I, I can't recall a time where it's like, yeah, no, no real explosive breakups. I mean, that was a long relationship, which occupied a good majority of my uh, life there, really, um, my adult life. And um, and my current relationship is still going, which is the only one I've had since the divorce. So I guess that's a good thing, right? What about horrible heartbreak? Like even, okay. even for short-term relationships where you just, you thought something was going to work and it flat out didn't. I'm really scared. Yeah, you go, Renee. Sorry, no, I was I just going to say that I've had either the fortune or misfortune to have that happen prior to the relationship. Like there have been um, girls and women that I was really interested in who I found out very quickly had absolutely no interest in me. So all my pain was front loaded. I don't, I don't get that either. How could somebody? Uh, you're, you're just such a catch, Renee. That's oh, all I'm saying. Thank you. I appreciate that, Dave. I, I, I don't get. I don't get how these these girls would would. Yeah. No, I hope they're listening to the show and feel really bad about themselves. <laughs> they don't deserve you, man. No. They don't deserve you. I I feel like I've had as many of those clichés as I as I can. Maybe it be, it's because of the time that I've spent watching romantic comedies and watching TV shows at just over and over again. The maybe it is the girl that I'm really interested in. She's not interested in me, or maybe it's the you date somebody and then she leaves and you're you're heartbroken and you just sit around your apartment for a month crying. And like I've been through every permutation of that. And I, I think that the only real tragedy for me in the last couple of years is that I haven't had that lately. Well, the first time I met you, you were about to move to uh, Holland to follow your heart. Yeah, I mean. That was cool. That's <laughs> I, I guess. Enormously that was a good optimistic. story. I, it's yeah. Well, the the trouble was I got there, and I think I think it was the night I land. I've never told this part of the story before. Uh, when I when I landed in Amsterdam, she meets me at the airport, and I'm just like, "This is it. The culmination of all of this expectation and hope, and and all of this stuff. And I'm finally here. This is it." And uh, we we take a cab into the city, and uh, I I booked a uh, I had to stay somewhere, so I, I booked this hotel, and I like we 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 drop stuff off so that we can go have dinner, and I think I think it was maybe right after dinner, walking around the city or somewhere right in there, I just had this moment of, this isn't it, yeah, I came all this way and this isn't it, and I'm not sure what to do now. It's totally not the same thing, but I've had that for business where I got 90% or 95% of the way to starting a new venture and then just realized it was completely wrong and I had to get out of it as fast as possible. Yeah, that's, I can relate to that as well. There's no good way to say that when you, especially me with my fucking grand gestures, how do you say, Hey, I know I made it seem like this was the most important thing in the world, but I just realized it's not. So we cool. <laughs> you and I spoke Just about like this that, before, too. but there's like this whole idea, and I've been really guilty of this, of thinking that there's sort of a destiny, and that's very much that romantic notion where if this is meant to be, then X, Y, Z will happen, or I will meet this person because it sort of has to be that way, and there's an element of fate to it that I think uh, it was maybe an excuse to be lazy about relationships as well. I would say lazy is an interesting word. 
What do you mean there? Not what do put you mean the work lazy? or the effort in, like just trusting that it would, was meant to be, like not going out to meet enough people, not spending enough time with people when oh. I did meet them. Because, you know, it just, oh, I'll, I'll find the right person for me. Yeah, I was like that when I was younger. I, I thought that the universe would just provide a girl for me. <laughs> Which is the fucking, like, I blame John Cusack. Really? <laughs> I don't. I, I, yeah, it's it's a terrible thing to think. And now, as an adult, I I think that I put too much work into it. Well, I was like that with other aspects of my life. I, what I do now and what I did pre, like my last two or three jobs, I've basically fallen into. I was just the right place at the right time, and I lucked into getting them. And I think I tr- I, I somehow decided that's how everything should happen. Kind of seems like I I don't know. Yeah, I I feel like. Um... Yeah, things do just kind of happen, and I don't know. That's how things have worked out for me. So, I, I, at least in my mind, it's it's that they've worked out that way. And I mean, like the relationship that I'm in, I um, it was somebody that I worked with, and we just got along. And and I actually, like if you go back to how how we met, I had talked to him for probably like three months um, through instant messenger on work stuff before we ever met in person, before I ever knew what he looked like or, and we just had a really fantastic click and then we started dating and it was just like it all just sort of happened. It wasn't like I was looking for someone, in fact quite the opposite, but um, yeah, and it just happened. It's, it's weird, I don't know, yeah. The cruelness of serendipity. <laughs> it, just, it just happened. Or the vagaries of Sarah. Yeah. I don't, looking back, I'm not really sure how I met the people that I've met or that I wound up dating. I mean, I can think of specific scenarios for each person. Like, I didn't forget. It's more that there's not a single common thread. Like, I tend to meet women at this kind of thing. Because if there, if, if there were some consistency there, I'd probably keep doing those things. But it, it just seems to be that it, it sort of does happen organically. It's, it, it, and it should, I think. I mean, yeah. You would, you would hope, but I don't know. I mean, I, I've hit I've hit an age where I'm realizing more and more that if I, if there is going to be some great romance in my life from this point forward, it should probably start at some point in the near future. And uh, I don't mean I don't that in like that. a biological clock ticking sort of way. I just mean that there's there's two components one is there's the romantic in me that wants to you know find the right person and of course that part of me wants that to happen sooner rather than later and there's also a sort of pragmatic side which is that if if i am ever going to be the sort of person who could be married or be in that kind of shared household relationship i am running i'm running up against the limits of my own um, being set in my shit, you know, mm-hmm. where I've, I've lived alone for so long now that I, it would be a really tough transition for me to live with somebody. It would be a really tough transition for me to, to have to think about other people's things. I don't mean like their stuff, but like if, if, if my life and somebody else's life were to connect in any meaningful way, like I, I'm so out of practice with that now. Yeah, I don't. Th- I don't know that it takes practice necessarily. It just it's a perspective of like the little things that drive you crazy. Are they outweighed by the things that you love and the benefit that you get out of the relationship or cohabitation, <laughs> whatever form? But um, like at least for me, that's the the perspective I take. Like I, I have my quirks for sure, and <laughs> if somebody can put up with me and my quirks, that's awesome. But like you know, on, on the flip side are the things that drive me crazy 
um, enough to really let me destroy the beautiful thing I have? Or do I, you know, realize that I have an amazing situation and am just grateful for that every day and that outweighs those weird little things that occasionally drive me crazy? I don't know. Is that weird thing? Like, do you want somebody who fits effortlessly into your life or do you want somebody who shocks you out of the life that you had? That's a cr- on both sides. What a, a fantastic question. question. Yeah. I, a, a bit of both, I suppose. Then you got to be willing to uh, let somebody fit into your world. Yeah. Yeah. I guess. Because too similar is boring, but too disruptive makes you insane. <laughs> the idea of dating somebody in our industry frightens me. Like, I don't think that I'd be excited about that, at least on paper. I mean, who knows what the universe has in store, but it, it's not something like try, the idea of it is is off putting. It's too much of the same stuff, too much of the same people, too much of the same experiences. Yeah, I, I can see that there's an element of it's so complex because you have people who seem to not be able to coexist without someone else. Like they need a second leg on whatever they're their structure is and then you have people who are so independent that they sort of just can't connect with anybody else but then you have those and i don't know if they're rare or not but you have those occasions where the two of you end up becoming greater than the sum of the parts where you, you just are, either have complementary skills or you bring out the best in each other and i don't know if that's sort of again a romantic dream but it, it seems like that's the that's the best of both worlds i would say one of my closest friendships one of my closest relationships right now in life is with an ex-girlfriend and with the 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 ex-girlfriend that i would say was the the most significant of my ex-girlfriends and that's because of the way that relationship changed this was somebody we were together for five years and then when we broke up we didn't speak for three and then we started talking again and we we sort of realized that there's still I know it's weird when you realize that that thing might be gone, but this person still knows you better than anybody has ever known you. It's, they're still, they, they were your best friend for such a long time, and there's no reason they shouldn't still be. And it's, it's, it's weird to think that you could still have that part of a relationship, even though the relationship itself is over, that, that, that version of the relationship was over. And so now I question my approach to relationships in general. That's good. Yeah, probably. In my opinion. I mean, it's good to question what, you know, question how we are and um, how, you know, we talked about that a little bit on the last uh, piece of this podcast, the last episode um, with Renee, where we talked about changes and like your willingness to change and kind of look at what is and little tiny shifts here and there. And I mean, those things are, I think those are what give you the life you want to have and just an awareness Mm -hmm. of what you're going toward um, brings it about. And hopefully it stops you making the same mistake over and over again. You at least learn something from it. So what is the ideal relationship then? Uh, I think that's an individual thing. Sure. Mm. I'm I'm, I'm asking for the two of you as individuals. (laughs) What what is is your your ideal? you first. Um, I, again, and I'm going to keep falling into this trap, but the the romanticized notion I have is that somebody who, again, challenges me and makes me better than what I was before. Someone whose interests are similar enough that we can do a lot of things together, but who they're different enough that I can also learn and you know f- discover new things. Who's you know I'm really good at some things. I prefer someone who is good at uh, different things than me, just because I think it makes long term. Like I have no sense of finance or budget or <laughs> anything like that. And that's not a, if both of you are like that. That's not a <laughs> yep, good way to run yep, a household. I'm, I'm the same way. I'm I'm terrible with money. Yeah. So I would. 
loves and you know you can't you can't like you said you, the universe chooses what it wants you can't pick those kind of things but if i had my druthers it would be someone who's was really well skilled and it sounds horrible but almost like picking a good business partner you want someone but who it compliments is. Your yeah, it is in so many ways i think that's a fair um that's totally fair to you know to want and you know i don't know i feel like i have that <laughs> So you're the lucky one here, Jane. I have a fantastic relationship, yeah. and I, I couldn't ask for a better situation. I don't know, like I, 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 you know, you talk about a heartbreaking situation or something like. If I lost what I have right now, it would take me a very long time to recover. I, I feel like yeah. I almost cry thinking about it. Oh, I can recall moments. Nothing dramatic, but I can recall moments where you've you've complained, let's for lack of a better word, privately about relationshipy things. And even even at the time, to me it reads as like, man, what a great problem. It's a great. Yeah. I don't know. I I mean, it, it feels like yeah. If I have a complaint, like they're usually the silliest things. Like I don't know. And usually it's me being grumpy about like not having pancakes or have low sugars or something. Like I, <laughs> you know, it's just yeah. I don't know. So this is this is a question that I've discussed with other people, um, and it's, it's a brief tangent, but I think it, it fits here. We had this thing a year ago in Quebec where the government tried to ban the word pasta on menus <laughs> because it wasn't a French word. And some of my friends thought that that was great, that that showed that we our problems had been solved to the extent <laughs> that we would argue about something as insignificant as the use of the word pasta. And other people thought it was horrific because if they were willing to make a big deal out of that, you know, help us all if they decided to make a big deal out of something more important. And the relationships are the same thing. I think that you know, love is sort of like a drug that you'll you'll forgive a lot of things when you're first in love. But over time, those little quirks, you have to decide if those little quirks are the least of your problems mm-hmm. or if those little quirks are indicators that, that you know, what else could be wrong That's with this. That's so true. And, you know, I mean, speaking from, as someone who was in a 14-year marriage, like, it, it, yeah, I totally agree. Because sometimes the little things, it, you know, people go, oh, it's the little things. But it is the little things, right? I mean, it is, um, it's little things have the ability to snowball into big things, you know. And uh, I don't know. In, in, from both sides, good and bad. Exactly. It's exactly. little things that make you love a person. It's the little things. It's so hard to describe. When I look back at the people that, that I have felt that way about, it's hard to to explain why it is that, yeah, sure, like on paper this looks good, but the things that really make it are those things that other people would never understand. I remember with, with my ex, it was, we, we just started dating. We'd been dating for uh, three, four months, I think, at that at this point, and uh, I was at practice one day with my band and I was, I, I won't even bother explaining what it was here, but she had given me a gift for Christmas and it was the the practice after Christmas. And I was telling them about what she'd given me. And the response from them was, that sounds kind of lame. And I, I didn't really know what to say at the time, but all I could, all I could really think was that she, she understands me better than you do. That's really it. That's to me, people who cast those sorts of opinions, like it's really nobody's business for one thing, but it's also like nobody knows what you have with another person. And it's, you know, it's really unfair to make those sorts of judgment calls from, you know, such a, a peripheral view. You know what? I, I, I take it back. I will share what it was. She bought me one of those cheesy uh, name the star things. Oh, and, I love. And, I was just looking at those yesterday. That's so funny. And and the name she put, I I it's it's written in Italian, which was sort of part of an in joke. But the the thing written in Italian is also sort of an in joke. And 
it to me was of it was one of those things that I could never explain this in a way that somebody else would understand, but it was so us and it was so that moment that it meant the world to me. I still have it. Like even now, all these years later, I still have it. But that their reaction was like, wow, that's lame. And they weren't being, they're just kind of being sort of passively dismissive. They weren't attacking or anything like that, mm-hmm. but it was just a, no, 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 she, she just gets it. This is a, this is a different thing. It's its own thing over here. And that's okay too. See, that's a dangerous thing when you have friends who are dating, especially when they're in borderline relationships is you have to sympathize with them, but you can't say anything overly harsh because they could be back together <laughs> the next day or the next week. My, I try to keep my policy with other people's uh, girlfriends at, at either as uh, passive and accepting as possible or as honest as possible at all times. Well, that's, that's the yeah. best thing you can do. I mean, I, honesty is the best policy. I don't, I don't mean it like that, but like it, it really is because then you never um, have to remember what you said because you're just being honest, whatever it was. I remember when uh, years ago, our, our friend and past guest, Nick Arnott, he started dating somebody. And for reasons I won't go into here, I just, I told him like, this is a bad idea. This isn't going to work out. Like just, you, you gotta like this just this isn't a good idea don't get to invest in this it's a terrible idea don't do this don't do this and um now they're married so shows what i know <laughs> <laughs> well that's the thing it's like uh and i think we discussed this on Zenitech because it sounds like something too smart for me to say on my own <laughs> but the, you have to base the honesty on how helpful it is at the time like it can be completely honest and just not accomplish anything and it could be you know, you you don't have to express every opinion. You might have an opinion. It might be your honest opinion. But if it's really not about you and it's about your friend, you have to weigh the results of that opinion on them. And if it helps them, even if they're mad at you, maybe you have to do it. And if it doesn't help them, um, even if they're mad at you, maybe you don't have to do it. That's yeah, true. like don't be don't be a dick. One yeah. would hope. But in this scenario, it was really me saying, look, I based on the evidence, I think this is probably not the smartest bet. And it wound up being that it it was a pretty it was a pretty good bet. He was he made a very smart decision. I was in their wedding. I, I've clearly since changed my mind, and I fully endorse this relationship. <laughs> Obviously, <laughs> you're coming out in favor of it now. She'll be uh, honored to hear that you did not initially approve of her. Oh, she knows the story. These <laughs> are close friends. Uh, but yeah, that kind of thing where you can, you can look at, at somebody else's situation. What do you say? What do you say? If it's, this is my best friend, what am I supposed to tell him? Hey, enjoy. Yes. I yep. know. I thought it was a bad idea. So I spoke up. I'm glad he didn't <laughs> listen, but I'm also really glad that I said what I thought and I wasn't mean about it, but I did feel the need to, had it turned out horribly and I never said anything, I would feel terrible. I'd feel like a really bad friend. Now, at least I can feel like. I was trying to be a good friend to him and I did what I felt was the right thing, even though I was wrong. I'm way happier this way. Worked out for you. It's sort of like, you know, dude, I can see you driving a car off a cliff because of this. You probably want to get in front of that and yeah, stop it. Yeah. If if I see somebody, especially somebody with like a history of, of problems going into a situation that's only going to cause them more problems, I would be a terrible friend not to stand in not in the way, but at least by their side and say, hey, Stand in front maybe, of the maybe car. we steer this way instead. So how well do you take that advice? Like if someone tells you, Dave, don't do this. Or oh, I'm, dude, I moved to Amsterdam. I was about to ask. <laughs> mm-hmm. how, how well do you think I take that <laughs> advice? Against all logic, reason, and uh, odds. And of course it blew up my face. The, the, the problem, though, is not that I didn't listen to the advice it's that i didn't take the advice and i knew i knew when i did it it was probably a dumb idea but i also knew that 
I, that's who I am. And I like being that guy. I like being the sort of guy who would know a girl for three weeks and make the decision that I'm willing to take a huge risk because someday I think that risk will pay off. See, I, I don't take advice, but I'm also, I don't think I would have taken, I, I wouldn't have gone to Amsterdam. It's one of the reasons I thought that it was pretty awesome. And I know it, it didn't work out in the end, but I thought it was amazing that you were willing to do that. Yeah, I think that's great. You have a you have a great story for the rest of your life too, which is and a great experience. Yeah, I great mean, song. even yeah, yeah. We got to spend three months living in another country and and learning about the ways that that another part of the world does things. And I I would not trade that for anything. Well, but I think you grew a lot as a human being too, though, Dave. You know, I mean, a lot of things happened in that in that time window, and I, I do. I think you've grown a lot. Well, here's hoping. But I mean, I'll, I would do it again tomorrow. Yeah, you've got that. And again, it's one of those things I admire. Like you, you moved to New York, you moved to Amsterdam. I'm, I was talking to you today that I might be late for the show because I'm afraid to drive you know, from San Francisco to Petaluma because I think I'll get lost. Oh, I didn't realize that was a fear. I thought that was like a jokey, I'm bad at directions I kind of a thing. Te- well, it's a, so it's a fear. It's a stress. It's, it's, stress is better than fear because I will end up on the bridge going the wrong way. Just on the way back here. <laughs> Canada doesn't even drive on the other side of the road, dude. No, like, on the way driving back here, all I, the the uh, oh oh you mean yeah, Google Maps just kept saying go right onto Highway 101 or whatever, and I had to loop around three times to get on the road, and I don't know why. These should be I simple things. I did I, a ton of in at my my previous career. I did a ton of state to state, city to city travel where I would fly to Memphis for three days, or I'd fly to D.C. for a few days. And a lot of that travel was by myself. So I was sort of forced into learning how to do those things. And it was a time when the iPhone had just come out, and I was excited that I had a Maps thing, even without GPS. That was, that was still good enough. Uh, and so I, I was sort of forced into learning those things then. But as a result, now I can go to other cities and feel fairly comfortable, at least fairly comfortable. And that's what allows me that's like the, the the platform upon which i can build the idea of moving to another country stupidly yeah that's why i rented the car and did the drive it's the same thing we talked about last show about not letting your bubble get too small because i don't want to get to the point where oh she lives downtown that's that's 30 minutes i'm not gonna go that far <laughs> you know, i don't want it to well, come to that well i don't know so, so the primary motivation and I, I keep talking about one of the reasons I moved to New York, one of the reasons I moved to New York, the real reason, the biggest reason is that I just knew that my chances of meeting anybody interesting in Denver had, had kind of run out. Like I'd given it plenty of time and I just wasn't, I wasn't meeting anybody. And I wanted to, uh, I, I dreamed of living on a magical island full of beautiful women. So I came to Manhattan. You dreamed of living on Wonder Woman's Island. Kind awesome. of, but with, with oh. more buildings. <laughs> uh, so you, something along those lines. But so I, I come here and I, I thought, it turns out rightfully so, that meeting people would be a lot easier. Yeah. And my, my experience has been that, that meeting girls is, is a lot easier here. Um, finding interesting women to talk to is a lot interesting here because, uh, as, as Buzz Anderson said, people in New York are not afraid to be interesting. And I find that's especially true with women, and that's very refreshing. I like hearing other people's stories. I like people with, with differing points of view and, and strong opinions about things. And it, you know, not, it's only been a few months. Nothing's worked out in, in a huge way yet, but it feels like there's a pretty good chance that it, it, it could. Or, or at the very least, I'll have a series of interesting experiences while I'm here. And if you're taking a lot of shots, the chance of you hitting something is much higher. Yeah. <laughs> 
Very true. But I was in New York, I think, for three months last year and went, ended up staying in Times Square. And just people were so outgoing. They were... Wait, the whole time? Yeah. So we ended up... Oh, God. It, it's a dumb story. We, we, we ended up doing this event and we had to do tons of video recording. And we got... We rented a place that had been previously used in some decorating show. And it was the Dexter studio or something so it had murder all over the walls and we ended up staying there i think i was only there for maybe two and a half months but uh, some of us were there for three three months or so and it was in Times square and things would just shut down like you couldn't get pizza after four o'clock it was the weirdest thing you had to get out and walk but there was just so many people out all the time they were outgoing they're exactly what you said interesting they all have stories and they're all i don't know if it's courageous because they live in new york but they just seem um comfortable being being out there and doing fun things. You know, I don't, I almost worry that I, I talk about New York too much on the show, but for me, there's nothing scary about this city. There's nothing that frightens me about New York. It, it feels as safe as anywhere I've ever lived. It, it's, uh, maybe not the warmest city in terms of, of the people when they first meet you, but I find it's a very friendly place to be. You, if you go out to a bar to grab a drink, people are usually pretty nice. If you strike up a conversation, you may not get a lot of smiles from people on the street, but that's that's sort of a different thing. And if you judge it by that as a, as a singular parameter, then you're going to have that problem. So I, but I used to go to New York. My sister lived there for a while, and I would go visit her. And she lived Thirty uh, Fourth Street or something near near Macy's. And it, she was there mm-hmm. right when it was changing, when they were cleaning out Times Square, and I think Giuliani was the mayor. And there were cops on every corner going, "You yeah. can't pull." here and just forcing people to move with these giant bullhorns and the city transformed over a couple of years and i felt much safer two or three years following my first visit there than i did the first visit yeah we're we're at a point in new york where i don't i don't think there's much to worry about i mean of course there's good neighborhoods bad neighborhoods but even the bad neighborhoods aren't that bad at least on manhattan and for most of brooklyn but uh, so the the relationship side of it, you were talking about distance being a thing. For me, there there is kind of a component in New York of if you meet somebody and they're on the mm-hmm. other side of the city, that's kind of a deterrent. It's that Seinfeld joke about oh, you know, the, your cab is going downtown, my cab is going uptown. We can't see each other again. <laughs> Not no. too far off from that. I'm on the Lower East Side, and I joke that anything above 14th Street is upstate. Nice. I I go to Midtown, but I've I don't think since I moved here I've been to uh, I've been any any further up than a few blocks into Central Park. I think the highest I've been is 81st Street. So you're saving that for if things don't work out where you are now, you're saving that for next year's experiment. (laughs) That's right. No, I'm saying I'm saying that if I were to meet a girl who like lived in Harlem, I'd probably never see her. I don't know how that would work. You got to make it happen if you want it to happen. But, you know, you're the guy who does that. So Isn't that know. great? I'll move to another country. But if she's like above you know, 130th Street, I got no interest. The, my current relationship, um, the, the guy moved. Well, we weren't dating at the time, but he moved for work purposes from Chicago to Las Vegas and then was clear across town. But then almost two years ago now, moved like down into a neighborhood about a half a mile away. And so, like, I don't know, our relationship is we keep getting closer. First, it was like 2,000 miles, then it was like, um, you know, 20 miles, and now it's like t- not even two miles. I don't know. I've had friends who would drive like 13 hours to, to distant parts of Quebec and back every weekend, and they ended up getting married and being married for like 10, 15 years. Yeah, I don't know. I think if, hmm. it's, if it's worth it, if the relationship is worth it, you do what it takes, right? Like, I, I just think that's what you do. I don't know. What is yes. Renee 
What is the most romantic thing you've ever done for somebody? Jeez. Oh, I, I don't know. I think, and it's going to sound corny, I just think it's being attentive, you know, conscientiously attentive day in and day out. Um, and I, I can't think of anything, it's not cliched or specific, but just making sure that I always thought what they would want or what they needed all the time and not just be, you know, almost iterative, not iteratively, but occasionally sensitive. Hmm. That sounds like good actual relationship, if not good movie relationship <laughs> stuff. Good relationship stuff. Like that's not that's not stealing a blue French horn romantic. That's actual lasting relationship romantic. So I have this family thing where my mother and I, my mother was raised when I was raised this way to always sort of anticipate what someone needs, so that if if you pass them the bread, you immediately pass them the butter because someone who has bread's going to need the butter next, and that just permeates yeah. my entire upbringing. Oh, that's awesome. I feel, yeah, I was raised very similarly to anticipate needs. Like makes you a really good worker too. You have to get over (laughs) people who aren't raised that way. Cause in the beginning you think, Oh, that person is a jerk. And it's just, no, no, no. They, they weren't raised to be insane. Like you were, you know? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Okay. So the other side of it, the the most romantic thing that's ever been done for you. I, I don't know either. I mean, it's it's the same. I've always had very symmetrical relationships where it was the same thing. It's just they did nice things for me most of the time. I just sort of expected that everybody had these weird, Do you have an example? grand aspirations. Well, well you, went to, um, you went to Holland, obviously. I mean, well, I mean that's, that. You I ran can, after I, a train. I can only, that? you know, there's that. I can only run back to that well so many times before. You know, I, I I've sort of ruined myself for any future relationships that I've set this bar that that's the kind of thing that I would do because if I meet a girl and I'm not doing those things, or if it just works out to be easier and I don't have to make that level of effort, then I look like a jerk. Like you never run after a moving train for me. Uh, see, yeah, but it's then expectational debt again. Yeah, but I think you know each each new relationship is a new situation, and you've got to take it for what it is, and not. I mean, somebody who's going to pull that card on you—that's like, oh, you didn't do this for me; you did it for her. Like, there, there's some different issues. Um, okay, I think there. That's valid. That's you a know, fair point. I don't know. Yeah. It's, it's a different answer, but I did join my. I, I ended up spending a lot of years training in self defense and martial arts. And I initially started that for a girl because I liked this girl and she said she was joining. So I thought I would join too. And she stayed about a week and I spent the next 15 years doing it. <laughs> nice. That's awesome. Didn't work no, out with the girl? No, uh, not. Didn't work out with her at all. She didn't like karate. We ended up not getting along that well. And, Aww. but, you know, I, I stayed there for 15 years afterwards. So. This is my problem with with things like your Tinders or your your meeting a a random person at a a thing. I like to know enough to know whether or not I would actually like this person as a human being. And I'm very quick, I think too quick to make snap judgments negatively about, nope, this wouldn't work. And I'll just back away. What's the thing you wanting to make sure that you don't get hurt by hurting them first or... Or, or not doing it. See, there's this thing. Just protecting yourself, yeah. I have this yeah. gift of procrastinating long enough to believe that it's now inappropriate. Like, I've waited too long and then just letting it die from there. Yeah, what you should do is just start hitting on girls at conferences. <laughs> I hear that's a good idea. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. See, but that's all. Like, like, the world is complicated now. So it's, 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 like, it is funny to a certain extent. But people who work the kind of jobs that we work or the hours that we work, um, a lot, there is a lot of dating in the workplace just because you're around each other so much, but then there's so much potential exactly. problems that go along with it. Yeah. And that's interesting because, I mean, I make jokes about hitting on girls at conferences, but the truth is, if you're like us and you spend so much time 
you know, working from home and your, your social circle is all people that you work with. And most of your external communication with the world, like face to face communication with the world, is at things like conferences. Where are you supposed to meet people? Well, that's, you know, and that's, I, I ended up dating someone that I worked with, you know, like I, and yeah, there's always the potential that there could be turbulence that we've, we've been very good about not letting um, any relationship <laughs> ruffles in the relationship um, affect our work. And I think we've, we've, you know, worked through a lot of stuff and uh, that's always been good. Like the work side of things, we've worked together on projects and, um, and stuff like that. And I don't know, it's always, it's always you know, we're professional enough, I think, to keep them separate when we need to. And, uh, you know, the the relationship part, the, the romantic part is not, it's not like it's perfect all the time, but it, it's, um, yeah, it's, it's awesome. <laughs> I don't know. But yeah, we just try not to let those lines bleed over. Like we're professional enough to keep them separate when we need to. I don't know. But yeah, you do, you, you do meet people in your industry. It's, it, you know, you do have things in common. So what is... Do you think, in your estimation, Jamie, the key to a successful relationship? Mm, I don't know if I have an answer to that. Um, this doesn't have to be a universal answer. It could just be like for you. What is what is the thing that you find works? Well, I think okay. So for me, um, what works in this relationship? Um, we push each other to be better people. We do. Yeah, I feel like I'm I'm reciting what Renee said that. Yeah. <laughs> we we push each other to be um, better people. We work together a lot, but we also have our individual projects that we work on separately. Um, we we live really close. We he almost always lives like pretty much lives in my house, but he has his own house a couple miles away. So like right now he's there working um, while I do my little shows here. And I, I don't know. I mean, like the thing that works is that we're. Um, I guess that's it. There's this compatibility. I never get sick of being around mm. him, like ever. It's so weird to me that that, ha- that that hasn't happened in almost, it's been four years now. Like, and I just, the more I'm away, the more I want to be around him. It's just crazy to me that Aww. that is possible. Because, you know, I mean, I was, again, married for 14 years. I hate to keep saying that over and over. But like, you know, I mean, it went on for for 14 years and it had, I have no regrets about that relationship. And it probably could have continued on, but I feel like one of us would have been compromising. Um, and and that that's not fair, I don't think, in a relationship. Like, I believe that both people deserve, like, as much love as you can give. And I feel like in the relationship I have now, that's that's what works. We're, we're both giving as much as we can to this relationship all the time. And it's not exhausting. That's the thing. There's nothing exhausting about that. I've never had trouble with the loving somebody enough or having enough to give part of that. For me, it's usually the other side of it where I feel like I'm giving a mm-hmm. ton and I'm not getting much back. In, yeah, it has to be mutual, though. Then I think that's it. When I was in my my longest relationship, the problem that I kept running into is I... I, I believe that the first like three, four months of relationship, like the, that's when all the exciting stuff is happening and you're still learning and there's, there's, it's a different kind of love cause it's still so new mm-hmm. and it's still so you're figuring things out and it's all exciting and it's all unexplored territory. And I spent a long time in a relationship where I never really moved past that point. I, up until the day we broke up, I was always still in, this is 
amazing i can't wait to see what happens next mode and she was she kind of very quickly in the relationship moved into a well now let's be an old married couple yeah i mean i think you know yeah i i have an answer actually i'm going to go back and i'm just gonna i have an answer to the question that you actually asked that i didn't actually answer before it's sense of humor um being able to keep a sense of humor about things because i think the minute you start taking things too seriously that's when it all falls apart and like interesting like even that like that sort of thing that you just talked about where you know you were really like eager to see what happens next and there was a lightness about it and um you know if that per- even if you're moving into marriage there's nothing wrong with that i i'm certainly not in any hurry to get married again <laughs> um just for my own reasons but like at the same time like i am so committed to this relationship i don't need a piece of paper to tell me um but i think the sense of humor going back to that like keeping things light like we laugh about stuff if we do have a a a point of friction about whatever jamie wanted pancakes and didn't get them and you know like i bring that up because that was seriously like one of our biggest points i was about to ask you is this is this a real fight it was a real fight that happened and it was it was funny like we laughed about it oh i don't know a year ago maybe 13 yeah exactly the great pancake disaster of 2013 it really was it was like when we laughed about it later you know and and it was just like oh my god i was being so ridiculous but being able to laugh at a situation whether it's your fault or her fault or his fault or whatever um i think that really like you have to relax a little we take things so seriously sometimes and just like relax a little bit one of the things i learned that was hard for me and it, it helped me with relationships of all kinds you know romantic and just friendship is that i had to learn that other people weren't me that i, I spent a lot of years thinking you know well i wouldn't have done that or i would have done this or i would have done this for you why wouldn't you do this for me and it just ends up setting yourself up for so much disappointment and i forget i think there's an actual psychological code for that or something where you you set other people up to disappoint you and it's a it's a nasty trap mm-hmm. that you can easily fall into. When I s- learned to stop doing that, I became much happier. I think I do that. If I'm being honest, I think I do that. I don't have a single answer to. I think the the couple of questions I asked there that I'm, I'm starting to now wonder if I have good answers for. Like, what is the key to successful relationship? And 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 um, I forget the other one. Oh God. <laughs> Memory, strong memory uh, skills. Uh, yeah. <laughs> being, able, being able to remember what the hell you were just going to say—that's the other one. Uh, no, the 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 idea of of like what what builds that? What is the most romantic thing? What is the what what is the secret? What is the best relationship? And and honestly, it kind of comes down to a series of things. Like I need, uh, Jamie, you you said sense of humor, which I think mm-hmm. is a great response. And and right before you said that, I was going to say sense of wonder. Yeah. And I think maybe those two things go hand in hand more than I realized. But yeah, also, yeah. as as is a theme here, just kind of me getting over my own shit and not holding my past against somebody else or holding somebody else's sins against the new person and and not taking, I guess, love so seriously to the extent that like it has to be perfect. It has to fit into this oh. box. I have to be able to <laughs> categorize it and label it in this way. And if it's not like this and it's not perfect and if it's not perfect, then fuck it. Going back to what we said at the beginning is I had this delusion that things should just work and I didn't want to put the work in myself. And I realized that you've got to put time in, you've got to put effort in. It, 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 nothing's going to be given to you. You have to continuously pay attention and reinvest in a relationship if it's going to last. It's That's so true. And, you know, like, I guess to build upon some of that, like one of the one of the key factors that I, I 
continually learn. And this works, interestingly, for work relationships. It works for, I mean, part of everything I've ever done in every working relationship I had, um, professional relationship, it's the communication piece. And that's so much a factor in, um, you know, a romantic relationship as well. Like your communication. So my boyfriend and I were just talking about this this morning at breakfast is how we evolve as communicators. Um, Sometimes you think that you are communicating really well and really clearly. And sometimes we actually think we understand what the other person is saying when in fact there is a missing piece in the communication. And I think if you're you're willing to have a dialogue, and this is almost something that we talked about on our last episode with the political thing, like if you're if you're willing to have a healthy dialogue and not just be, you know, fixed on one side or the other, but actually talk about some stuff, like it it's amazing how quickly and easily you can move through what seems like a really critical um moment of of tension or friction or whatever it just being willing to have a dialogue about it and have a little bit of open communication about it it's like i really think you're doing this and i really think you're doing that and oh no 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 when when you said that i took it this way not that way and, and that's happened a couple times for us and just our willingness and ability to talk through it and go oh no i totally misunderstood what you meant or i misunderstood your tone um that's helped so much I've had a bad habit in past relationships of of saying what I think is a, a good and fair thing to say or to aspire to, which is when I say something, I'm going to mean what I say. And if there's any question about what I actually meant, whether or not I meant those words or if I was hinting at something, just call me on it and ask me. Yeah. And, and, you know, because there's going to be moments where maybe I am being a little bit more passive aggressive than I want to be. Uh, call me on it because keep help help me stay honest and and I, i'm not going to expect that other people are always going to be as um almost emotionally lewd as to say everything they're thinking or feeling but right. like that's that's what i bring to the table and i find or i have found recently in in the last year or two myself in situations romantically where i i suddenly realize i'm not being as honest as i should be or I'm not being as forthcoming with my feelings or my, my, not I mean my feelings in general, but my, my feelings about a certain situation or a given topic of conversation as I should be. And I think really, um, you know, it's like there's, there's saying stuff and there's being open and honest. And there's also, you know, you can't control how that person receives mm-hmm. the words that you give them. But you can always have a dialogue about what your intention was you know it doesn't always undo sometimes damage is done when we say things in a certain way and, and we don't mean for that to happen but it does happen um, and the best you can do is is be willing to have a conversation about it the communication thing is so important I feel like sense of humor and communication like if there's two things that I can give people on relationships <laughs> and making them last um, you know I don't know you, you should know? teach a seminar <laughs> I do. I'm doing coaching, but not not specifically on um, love relationships. But I do. But <laughs> not specifically. But you could cover that. But you know, it's such a piece. It's such a piece of of reaching your goals and being happy. Though is you know not just there's there's love and there's your finances and your physical health and all of these things come together to you know create sort of the outcome that you want to have in life. And yeah. That's exactly what I've been helping folks do lately, which is very, very awesome. And I'm honored to be able to do some of that stuff. But 
No, I think that's very, I mean, there's this old uh, Chan Buddhist saying that you're wounded twice. You're wounded when something happens, then you're wounded again by your reaction to it. And you can never control what the other person does, but you can often control how you react to it or how, you know, to Dave's point, Mm -hmm. how you handle the communication they give you or what you read into it or interpret into it. And I found it hugely beneficial when I learned to let go a lot and not, not, not sort of become like a, a lunatic about things. And that that's so true. I'm so bad at, and this is uh, a topic that will will be covered on, I guess, next week's show too. I'm so bad at, in relationships, I know what I meant and I get upset that somebody else doesn't get what I meant, but I don't do that same favor for them. Right. I don't give them the benefit of the doubt and think through, well, they they probably didn't mean to offend me. They probably didn't mean to upset me. But I will get offended if by other people being offended. If I say something dumb, and historically this has been a problem for me in life, where I'll say a, a thoughtless thing and then people react negatively to it. And I'm like, well, God, stop being <laughs> yeah. such an asshole about it. <laughs> it, which is which is terrible. And then when people offend me, I do I do the same thing. I just assume that they were trying to be an asshole. And there's got to be a middle ground there. There's got to be a way to to be empathetic in both directions. Yeah, it's like almost every conversation is some sort of broken telephone because you have the idea in your mind of what you want to say. You struggle to find the words to properly convey it. They listen to it and then they try to decrypt that into something they understand. And there's so much potential for miscommunication just in even every, it's like old joke, you know, pass the milk. What did you mean by that? Uh, pass the milk. No, you <laughs> so didn't. Oh. Uh, and it's, it's it, I think it behooves all of us just to be a little bit generous when those things happen. And there's a, a lot of nonverbal stuff that can come along with it too. It's your yeah. tone of voice. There's a difference between "Hey, pass the milk" and "pass the milk." Like the, the even those two simple things, it's so subtle, but it's there and it means something. And it's if you're not the sort of person who's just naturally dialed into that, and you're trying to learn how people communicate, and if you're trying to, to integrate yourself into real world society, if you're an alien from another planet who's who's learning about emotions, uh, this can be some tricky it's the internet stuff. Without emoji. <laughs> yeah, right, right. <laughs> Imagine there's no yeah. emoticons and then everybody sounds like a dick. Yeah, all caps all the time. <laughs> my my buddy Kyle used to give me a lot of crap about every time I'd meet a girl I'd get excited. <laughs> like every every time I like every I met a every girl. Yeah, every first date I'd be like, Oh, this girl's awesome. And he would give me shit about this. And uh, a, a nice thing about being here and being in a situation where I can I can meet more people and and have more life experiences that I'm I'm very I'm much more reserved about that kind of thing now I I withhold judgment until I've actually formed an opinion and I'm I'm also not as fast to skew positive as I mm. used to be I'm, I've gotten pretty good I was out I went out on a date with a girl a week or so ago and very early on. She said something that rubbed me the wrong way. And it's the kind of thing that in my past lives I would have overlooked because she's pretty or because other things were okay. But I kind of dialed in on this and not as a, well, this is it. Fuck this. I'm out. But more of a, hmm, that's indicative Mm -hmm. of something. And as the evening went on, I noticed a pattern that kind of led me to, oh, she's just sort of a negative person or she sees herself in a certain way and she wants to... Like it started with something as simple as a conversation about, you know, done to death, but, but New York and like, at what point are you a New Yorker or that kind of a thing? And I, like my comment was something to the effect of, well, it depends on who you ask and there's these different things, but I think it's more of an attitude thing. And she just goes, well, just to be clear, you're not one yet. <laughs> and it was such a presumptuous 
shitty thing to say. And I, you know, I tried to take a step back and, and think like maybe she didn't mean it that way or whatever, but I, I kind of like just set it aside. Like this is, this is just data. And let, let me think about this more later. And as things went on, there were more moments like that. And I just kind of, by the end of the night, I'm like, I don't think this is a super positive influence to have in my life. I think maybe this is somebody who, uh, she's, she's, th- those comments weren't about me. They were about how she sees herself yeah. in the world. And that's not a problem that I'm interested in dealing with for somebody else right now. But at least you caught it early. Yeah. Yeah. Right. I, and that's, that's fair. That's uh, a totally fair assessment. Like, you, and that's what I'm saying is I'm getting better at catching these things early. I'm better at early detection of bad relationship. <laughs> early detection. Just be careful that you're not also shut off. You know, I mean, in... I think in that one, that, that was very good. I just, you know, like, be careful that you're also not just shutting yourself off to potential either. But in, in that, sure. it sounds like it was a very good call. So I don't want to, you know, I don't want to be like, oh, you should be more open. Give, I don't mean give like that at all. A chance, Dave. Yeah, no, uh, I don't mean like that at all. But uh, There were other warning signs. Yeah. And usually, yeah, it's pretty. I mean, who wants to be around somebody? A sign around her neck saying warning was yeah. one of them. Yeah, it was. <laughs> Uh, interestingly, I found that attractive. <laughs> Renee, for you, what's 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 a, a dead giveaway that something is a good idea to pursue or not pursue? Um, I don't know. This, this probably says way too much about me, but some sort of connection. Like if I feel like there's some sort of mutual interest, um, then I'm happy to try. Like I, I just I like the I like the opportunity. Do you do you have any fear or hesitation about like talking to girls? Uh, it depends. It goes back to what I talked about last show is that I have a natural fear, but I do that fugue state thing where I just shove it down, become an automaton, an automaton for a few minutes. And, and then after a couple minutes, I'm fine. But it's just that initial beginning it that I have hesitation. So I turn everything off, start the conversation and then I'm fine. I like to think of myself as being very charming and personable. And then you put me in a room with a girl and I just kind of. No, oh, you're suave. I've seen you. Oh, no, 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 no. Now, I have to be in a very specific set of circumstances for that. Nice to, suit. To, to, to good drink, to kick good in. drink in your hand. It's true. This, this, is, this is genuinely true. It, it tends to be a lot of the girls that I've dated over the last couple of years tend to be um, like girls I meet online or bartenders or waitresses, things like that, because those are or hotel desk girls that I moved <laughs> to other countries for. And it's because those are those are women that, that are forced into a conversation with me. You know what I mean? Like it's not walking up to somebody at yeah. a bar it's sitting down and talking. When I'm in the I already have your attention mode, even if it is I know you're getting paid to talk to me, I, I can still be, in that moment, I can be charming, I can be funny, I can be interesting. But to like walk up to a stranger at random, I've never been good at yeah, that. Yeah, the cold intro is hard. Cold intro is super hard. If, I've, yeah. if I'm already in a conversation, I can be flirty and I can dial it up and I feel pretty good about my chances then. But out of nowhere, right out of the gate, and I, I got nothing. The most honest version of Dave is the best version of Dave just for what it's worth what does that mean i mean the most honest version of me is when i when i feel unencumbered by uh trying to come up with the right thing to say that's like honestly like i I think there's a very natural version of you and there's like putting the smooth on dave version of you yeah and when i'm when i'm talking to a bartender or something i'm not thinking about trying to be cool I'm just thinking about saying whatever funny thing comes to my mind or, or whatever. It's not a it's not a show I put on. It's that I don't have to walk up and try to think of something to say. I'm already in. So you're not trying to be cool. It's when you are cool. Yeah, I guess. It's, I it's, guess. It's when I'm not trying to impress anybody. Well, and that's what that's it right there. That's it. 
that's that's sort of the state like that's the you you know we've talked about this a little bit in the past and maybe we'll we'll touch on it some more in the future but like that's it that's it's the one where you're not trying to impress anyone because really like that's the best version of you right there optimal Dave. there's a rawness and a vulnerability and like a, a, a yeah i don't know that's I worry the, that we spend a lot of time on this show talking about my emotional problems. That's it's not problems. It's um. <laughs> it's, it's, Why else have a show, Dave? 